Welcome to the Boost Your Boutique podcast. I'm your host, Emily Benson, corporate merchant turned boutique owner turned consultant. I want you to start, grow, and scale your boutique business right here with me. If you're ready to master your mindset, margins, and marketing, you're in the right place. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Booster Boutique Podcast. We're in for a real juicy one today, guys, because I am so pumped to talk about Lula Rich, the Amazon Prime special. I know everyone on TikTok is talking about it. I'm sure in the LuLaRoe groups, you guys are talking about it. But having been a consultant during this time, having started a boutique before, like kind of pre-LuLaRoe, and then continuing to stay in the boutique industry during and after the LuLaRoe, and let's throw Agnes and Dora in their craze as well, I have a lot to say about this because, frankly, I think there's a lot that LuLaRoe did right. I think there's a lot they did wrong. And it massively affected the boutique industry. And for me to ignore that alone would be silly. So I am not someone who ever sold LuLaRoe, but I have consulted with hundreds of LuLaRoe and Agnes and Dora consultants. Agnes and Dora was kind of the spinoff of LuLaRoe from Deanne's niece, Buffy. And, you know, I think if you're listening to this, you were part of one, part of both, or uh, maybe just watched like I did and tried to help and tried to help people. But before we get into this, I want to give a shout out to all my one-on-one clients who at the end of September, so I'm recording this actually on October 1st, but for the month of September combined, my one-on-one clients have done $941,000 in retail revenue. That's just my one-on-one clients. That doesn't count any of my groups or group programs. So even with groups, let's throw that over a million. So congrats for a million dollar month uh, combined. There's some of you who are hitting your biggest months ever. I think multiple of my clients have hit their biggest month ever in September. And I just cannot wait to see what October brings because it is a five-week month, meaning we have a little extra selling time. We're right in the heart of fall. So, you know, if that is any inspiration to you, go sell some sweaters, go sell some denim, go sell some higher ticket items because this is your time to make some money. So on this first episode, I'm going to start out with what LuLaRoe did right. Because listen, they did some things right. I really don't think it's all that bad. And to be fair, I honestly think that the perspective, and again, these are all my own opinions, okay? Uh, Again, I was not in LuLaRoe. I was not part of the company. uh, But I certainly had a lot of contact with consultants. And I worked with a lot of clients who were consultants or decided to leave and start their own business. So you know, I'm not stupid to what was going on. And I think there was a lot they did right. I think the documentary on Amazon Prime actually painted it in a really generous way. I think the production company didn't want to get sued or they didn't have evidence for some of the stuff that, you know, people kind of outskirts have been like, oh, they didn't even talk about this. Oh, they didn't even talk about this. Like from a production company standpoint for the filmmakers, they can never cover, you know, everything and anything. They're going to pick out what's the most important and what really tells the story. And I think they did a good job. I think um, there was, again, they showed both sides of it. They showed the good, the bad, and the ugly. I don't think LuLaRoe was all that bad. I think they did things wrong and I think they did some things right. And honestly, the effect on what it's had in the boutique industry 
has been both really good and really bad. (laughs) So, you know, there's two sides to every story. So I want to talk about in this episode what I think they did right and what we can actually kind of like learn from them as well, because a lot of what they kind of started and did right is still working and still, I think, actually having an effect on the boutique industry in ways that we should look at and should think about. So I'm trying to approach this from an intellectual standpoint and really dig into, you know, past the drama, past the pettiness and just say like, let's look at what the consultants really did to innovate the industry and help really all of us kind of move forward. Because I think that, again, there was a lot of things right. So first and foremost, I have to say, they were really the people to get live selling going. Like they, I don't know how it started, Someone watched a little bit too much QVC late one night when they were breastfeeding or something, and they took this model of QVC home shopping to the internet. You know, the divine timing, frankly, of Facebook Lives launching and LuLaRoe taking off was truly that. It was truly divine. But I do think that the way that they innovated it and the way that they presented it, putting numbers to it, having introductions, making these live shows, you know, like that's cool. I think that's one thing that the company, the consultants, they really did quite well. And I think that that has really trickled over into, I mean, look at the success of Comments Sold. If you just look at that alone, I mean, you can definitely contribute a lot of Comments Sold success on companies like LuLaRoe and how the consultants either within LuLaRoe or who've left LuLaRoe and and gone with Comments Old have completely changed that company as well. So that trickle effect is undeniable. Whether or not, you know, these companies will agree from my opinion, again, these are my personal opinions, but I know for sure that LuLaRoe was where we started with live selling. And I know that there has been such a big trickle effect with other companies launching live selling apps um, and things like that, because that didn't exist when I had my boutique up until 2015, 2016. You know, really the time frame we're talking about is like 2016 to 2019, right? In those three years, so much happened. Um, And I think that's really what we're seeing some of this cause and effect from. Thank you to LuLaRoe for getting live selling going. I think it is an awesome way to sell. I think for so many of you guys out there who are selling in your boutiques, you love it. I love being live in general. I think that it has definitely helped grow the boutique industry because we've been able to connect in such a different way with customers. I think especially during the pandemic, you know, that was a huge way that people shopped. I I know for a fact, so many of my clients said that their customers were so happy when they showed up on lives and connected. Everyone was had to stay at home, but this was a way that where women could connect with each other. And so I say thank you to LuLaRoe for that because I don't know if we would have live selling in such a big way as we do now if it weren't for them. And I think some of the credit does go to the consultants. Obviously, I'm not saying, oh, this is the company, <laughs> right? It's it's definitely the consultants driving that innovation and seeing that work and then spreading and teaching that to the other consultants. So if you were a consultant doing a lot of live streams, I'm also acknowledging you as well, just to be super clear. So I think another piece of what they did right was they came out the gate addressing a full size range of women. They had their one size, like sort of small to large leggings, and then they had their curvy size leggings. This is something that I still don't think that we as a boutique industry have totally 
caught on to from a vendor perspective. Now, I don't think it's necessarily right for every single boutique to be size inclusive. I just don't, I don't think that's necessary. However, I do think that more vendors need to be working towards having a full size range. And I think that one of those big pushes really was coming from LuLaRoe, going from extra small to 3XL. I mean, that's huge. That opens up your size uh, potential for selling in, in such a big way. And I think, honestly, they were a huge piece of why a lot of plus size women, curvy women, or 1X to 3X women felt like, oh my gosh, I can actually shop online. I can actually shop at a boutique and I can shop with my friend or my sister who's a size medium. Like that is to me truly inclusivity. And so I think that that's one thing that they really did right out the gate. And I mean, speaking of the assortment in general, one of the really good things that they did right was starting with leggings and maxi skirts and really becoming known for something. I mean, I remember telling people about LuLaRoe just in passing because they'd be like, have you heard of this? You know, I was always like, you know, who in my circle, who in my world has heard of this? Has it reached them yet? You know, just judging how like if it had gotten popular in, in my own world. When I would do that, I would say, oh, you know, they're known for those buttery soft leggings or those leggings. Being known for something, I mean, that is something I talk about all the time in my boot camp, in my book. Being known for something and being really good at that is a key element of becoming successful in a boutique business because that's what people come back to you for. That's what they rely on you for. Stepping out the gate, you know, they obviously started with the maxi skirts, but I think in general, the leggings were way more successful than the maxi skirts because, again, they fit everyone. They were easy to wear, especially to the mom customer who doesn't love a good legging. And I think starting with that key style and then building off of that with some of the tops that they had, I think starting with those key styles is what worked. And it gave them something to sell that they could always go back to. It was a really easy sell for consultants. It was an easy thing for them to produce. And I think that is something that we can definitely take away, especially if you're a new boutique owner, trying to become known for something, whether that's a style or a particular product, that is really important, you know? And I think that we all could take a little bit of advice from that. I see my most successful boutique businesses They are definitely known for something, whether it's graphic tees, whether it's a particular logo, or whether it's just a style that they have. That is what they build their business from. It builds that foundation. So I think LuLaRoe really did that in a great way with leggings. And still to this day, I think that's what they're known for. And listen, speaking of the leggings, speaking of the size range that they sold, One of the best parts about what they did is everything was the same price, right? I believe if you bought leggings small to large or TC, like the the curvy size, they were all $25. So everything was a standardized price. They never said, okay, we're going to charge more for curvy um, and less for small to large. So boom, great. You know, they were consistent with their sizing, which I think is a great way to build your model. And they also, to be honest with you, anytime I, I remember I started working with a friend from high school who I think started selling them in like 2016. And when she was describing the whole model to me, like I was just so like, what the heck is this? (laughs) Like, I don't totally get it. But one of the things I remember being really happy about was the fact that their retail pricing was not cheap. 
it was not like affordable in in a sense. Yeah, it was affordable because it was it was well priced, but they never like undercut themselves. They they had that maintained pricing. It was, it was called MAP, but I don't remember what that stands for. They did have that minimum price that they required their consultants to sell at, which in my personal opinion was a very fair and good price for that product. So I think too, they did a good job sort of maintaining boutique industry level standards in terms of pricing. And I was never like, oh my gosh, that's too cheap. I was always like, oh, good price. Okay. I like it. Now, obviously what you paid as a consultant was like 50% of that. Like your margins were really terrible. But I think one of the things they did right with the pricing too, is they would not allow you to open a brick and mortar store. I remember seeing a bunch of um, mobile boutiques start to pop up. And I was like, oh, God, women are trying to get around the idea that, you know, they can't have a brick and mortar, but they can have a mobile. It's kind of like a trick to the system. But what people don't realize is having a mobile boutique still costs money. And because the margins were so low, you know, you really couldn't sustain it. And that's the thing is, I think they were really smart and really right to say to people, their consultants, like, you cannot open a brick and mortar. You cannot kind of have a storefront. Whether they, like, knew this or not, like, I don't know if it was to protect the brand or they didn't want to have stores popping up. I don't know the intention behind it. But from a data perspective, from a, like, financial perspective, I always saw that as a really good thing thing because at a 50% markup, you can't have a store. You can't afford it. You won't make money. I mean, you barely make money as it is from online. Having to pay overhead and employees and utilities and all that stuff, like no way. You'd basically be like running negative numbers every month. (laughs) So I do think, you know, whether, like I said, whether or not that was intentional, the outcome of it was positive. And I think it was really good that people didn't go out and open brick and mortars because, they would have been just flat broke. That was one of the policies that I was like, oh, thank God they're telling people not to do that. Because every time I did the math on it, it was just like, it was hard to make money in the first place, especially with their the minimum orders monthly and kind of all the tricky numbers pieces in it. I, I was glad that they protected their consultants from doing that. So a little bit of a bright spot there. And to be honest, I think the biggest and best thing that companies like LuLaRoe or Agnes and Dora really did for women is they got women to realize that they can have economic value in their life, in their family, and in society. I think women, more than ever, the more that we can make money, the more impact we can have locally, nationally. We can have that impact on charitable causes that we care so much about. We can have the financial ability to send our kids to better schools um, or get them those, you know, lessons that they really want because they're thriving in that area of their life. You know, to me, I think the more women have economic power, the more our society will change and the more freedom we will have as women. Let's not forget, we just were allowed to have bank accounts like in 1970. Before that, we needed like our husband to like co-sign on it. So, you know, the when we have money as women, we're able to empower other women. We're able to buy homes. We're able to contribute to society in a completely different and transformed way. So I really feel like despite how it was done and some of the marketing around it, which I'll talk about in my next episode, I do think that companies like this give women the opportunity to have a business, to feel empowered, and to be of economic standing 
in their own life. And I, and there is importance to that. There is value to that that I don't want to overlook because I think really I saw so many women feel really great that they were able to do things for their family. They were, you know, even people that just made little bits of money, they really, really weren't like big sellers. They were still able to do things for their kids, pay off bills, pay off debt, do things that were definitely beneficial to their family. And so I think that's really the the biggest thing I think that came out of it. And, and listen, I am fully aware that there are plenty of women who did not leave the situation or did not have that situation. You know, there's always going to be the top sellers, the low sellers, and the people in the middle. But I do definitely believe that giving a woman an opportunity to have financial power over her life, to have an economic standing in society is a good thing for us overall as a world, as a country. And so I think that that's one of the things that, again, despite how they did it and despite some of the practices behind it, I do think that there was plenty of women and there are plenty of women that have come out of the LuLaRoe system in a very different financial position and a lot of them in better financial positions or in, you know, improved financial positions or improved life situations where they can stay home with their kids or things like that. In the next episode, I'm going to talk about what they did wrong, which I think the list might be a bit longer from a business and just sort of like model perspective. This, I'm going to talk about all the things I always had like sort of an itch about. But this is, I do want to point out what was good because there definitely was good. And I don't want to gloss over that because I think it's really important just to know as a business owner, as a boutique owner, there's always going to be good and bad. Whether you're with a company like LuLaRoe or you're on your own, there's always going to be good and bad. Like you can't, you kind of can't have the good without the bad, right? Um, Hopefully we have more good than bad. That's what our goal is. But I think it's unrealistic to think that you're going to go into any business, whether it's, you know, working for someone or working for yourself or a weird hybrid of the two. You know, it's unrealistic to think that it's all going to be good and happy and joyful and positive all the time. Like that is just, it's not real. Um, And, you know, I'm probably one of the most positive people I've ever met. And I still have my days where I'm like, oh, damn it. oh man, this is a rough day. Because uh, we all do. It's life. This is We're human. Being a human is an imperfect, imperfect experience. So let's not forget that. So on the next episode, I do want to talk about what they did wrong. And I want to talk about it again, like not from a drama perspective, not from a she said, he said perspective, but just from a real business perspective, a, a business and a model and a retail perspective, because that's what I always look at with any company, frankly. I mean, I would love to do more business reviews of other companies because there's a lot of people doing things right and there's a lot of p- people doing things wrong. But I think the highlight on Lula Rich has been really interesting and in seeing kind of what's come out of it. I think it's really easy to go ahead and point out all the things that were wrong. Really easy. I wanted to point out what was right first. And, you know, my third episode in the series is going to be how it affected the boutique industry as a whole, because it has affected us a lot um, and in some very good ways and, again, (laughs) very bad ways. I think that it's important for us to address sort of the ripple effect that's happened. You know, I grew up with a father who would always say, you know, Emily, we all are floating in this pond together. And when one of us throws a rock, the ripple affects everyone. So please don't throw any boulders. Make sure there's smaller rocks if you can. Uh, but if there's boulders, let us know. <laughs> um, and I think that's important to know is that the ripple effect of whatever we do and whatever these companies do, it does affect the industry as a whole. So hopefully you got something out of it. So hopefully you, um, you know, if you were a past seller, I pointed out some things that were right. 
and I will see you on the next episode of the Boost Your Boutique podcast. Thanks so much for joining me. If you've liked what you've heard today, don't forget to rate and review this podcast so more amazing boutique owners just like you can find it. Hopefully, I will see you in my other spaces and places on the internet, whether that is my YouTube channel, on Facebook, or on Instagram. I hope to see you somewhere else. Say hello when you see me there, and I'll see you next week.